Welcome to another episode of The Thought Police with me, Mike Graham, and you, Matt Kelly. Matt Kelly, the editor of The New European, as we edge ever closer um, to leaving the European Union, or possibly not, <laughs> with a new Prime Minister yeah. and a new Cabinet yeah. um, and a new set of rules and a new set box of kippers, maybe, yeah, we've possibly? Cra- we've cracked it now, I think we? so, yeah. 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 Feeling very Shorted. optimistic. Shorted. Absolutely fine. You Roll know, this on October 31st. I said uh, this week this is going to be the biggest week in politics since... The referendum since yeah. your lot lost yeah. and uh, the leavers won. Yeah. So because we now we now know who's in charge of the clattering train. Well, I think and it's Boris know, Johnson. I, I think if you if you think it's been entertaining so far, I yeah. think just wait until the next three months brings us. It's going to be absolute pandemonium. Somebody did over the weekend um, ask me, who's not a journalist. He said, "Can you describe Boris Johnson in one sentence?" I just need and one I word. said, "Well, first I just said <laughs> Boris, right? Yeah. Which was not the word you were thinking." Of. <laughs> Um, and the other sentence I came up with was, it'll be great fun. Yeah. Which, of course, it will for people well, like you and I. it'll be great for you and I, but it won't be great fun for the 200,000-odd people who are going to lose their jobs well, according I'll tell you who, to the no, Office of Budget Responsibility. Yeah, the Office of Budget Irresponsibility, as you oh. renamed that. I mean, these are people who've got everything wrong, basing it all on um, projections from an organisation that got it wrong before, mm. basing everything that they say on a sort of crystal... Well, you might as well look into a crystal ball yes. and go, this is all going horribly Well, I do wrong. agree, nobody knows. But, well, but I mean, equally, you can't just completely disregard an office that is studying it, you know, and very forensically. Well, and I wish I could conclusion. agree with you, but actually you can, because unfortunately, um, these are people who are clearly not on the side of neutrality because hardly anybody is in this game. And that's why those people who are on the side of neutrality are very, very hard to find. When I was watching an edition of The Pledge, an old edition of The Pledge from earlier in the week, where poor old Michelle Dubery is getting taken to task by Rachel Johnson, another horrible woman, (laughs) saying that, you know, the reason they can't find any decent pundits to talk about Brexit, basically, is because there is nothing to explain because you're all, one, so stupid, and two, the plan is idiotic. (laughs) And Michelle Jubilee... Who's stupid? But the Brexiteers. Yeah. Well, this, this is was, what Rachel Johnson's This is Rachel said. Johnson's view, which is pretty good coming from her, to be honest. Right. You know, I've worked with Rachel Johnson. Me and too. I mean, you she know, she's got a very again, short yeah. attention yeah, she... span, is what I can tell you about her. Right. Um, but anyway, I quite like Rachel Johnson. But, you know, she was very dismissive and very typical, I think, of a yeah. lot of the people on the Remain side of the argument, yeah. who try to make out that everyone who voted to leave is some kind of mad racist. So she's nothing like her brother then? Sort nothing of short at all. Short attention span, dismissive, like, no. no grasp of detail. Well, she told me an amazing story, right, about when she and her, her brother were young, and this has been uh, catalogued in all sorts of now, you know, it is miniature psychological pieces about Boris Johnson and why he's the way he is and why he wants to be king of the world and all this, about how their philandering father went to live in Brussels, you know, much to the chagrin of his, of his then wife, and both Rachel and Boris were sent to prep school in England. And she said they basically used to get dropped at the railway station in, in Belgium and come on the train to England on their own, come on the ferry on their own, get off at Victoria Station, right, where they had to get another train down to somewhere in Kent, Good which job. I think is where they went, right? Yeah. And this is prep school. They're not very yeah. old, right? Yeah. And they used to go to some dodgy cinema in Victoria, she told me, to watch a movie, which was no doubt... And can you imagine the old uh, Dirty Mac yeah, Brigade and oh a sort of God. you know sort of weekday afternoon in Victoria yeah. in those days? Yeah. Um, watch a film and then get back to Victoria Station, jump on the train to sort of some part of leafy Kent and board uh, there until it was time to go back home for the holidays. Bloody hell. And this which, is all at the behest of Stanley, yeah. the hero Johnson, yeah, who's yeah. now portrayed as this sort of great lion avuncular character. Avuncular character. Well, I mean, you can't really go inside of a family and, and pick holes in it without knowing precisely what went on. Yeah. I mean, I don't know why he was a philanderer. Yeah. Maybe his ex-wife or his then-wife was crazy. I just don't know. Yeah. But the point is, is that you, that's difficult to judge somebody. But what I would say is that any any man 
who has been formed by that kind of behaviour as a child. He's been so self-sufficient as a child. And this goes along with all the stuff they say about him, you know, being sort of bullied at school because he wasn't like the others and his parents lived in Brussels and all of that. You know, yeah, it makes you into something, doesn't it? Yeah, it does. And there are, there, it is a truth that I think, you know, I'm quite... In, when stuff goes wrong in my life, like, mm. I worry about it. Yeah. And I can't do this You thing. are a bit of a worrier. I am a bit yeah. of a worrier, aren't I? You yeah. Know? And I al- I've, I've always been like that. Yeah. And I can't... Comp- comp- you can't change that. Compartmentalise it. That's right. what they say. The yeah. skill is, isn't it? Just yeah. put it in a Whereas box. I'm very good at that. You're great yeah. at it. Uh, I know, like Piers, for instance, yeah. is great at it. He's and, good at it. You know, Piers has been through all these travails yeah. through the course of his career and seems blithely unaffected yeah. by it. I'm it's, sure he's not. I'm sure he's not. So I once said, mm. I hope this isn't going too intrusively, but I once well, said to, late now. to the first Mrs. Piers, mm. um, during one of his troubles, I think it was over the City Slickers thing, yeah, yeah. And, I, and I said to her rather blithely, well, Piers seems to be coping all right. Yeah. And she said... Yeah, but, you know, you're not there in the middle of the night when he's tearing his hair out, you right. know, and he's, and he's panicking, yeah. you know. So I'm sure it gets everybody, but that ability to, yeah. to just say, okay, it is what it is, I'm yeah. going to plough on, I, right. I'd kill for it. Yeah, you know? and also, let's face it, the job that Boris Johnson is taking on, the, the, the prime ministerial, you know, um, sort of red box, if you like, is a massive job. And you can't really be anybody normal to do it properly. Yeah. And I think the problem, one of the problems Theresa May had was that she tried to be a sort of normal individual taking on this role. And you can't be a normal individual. I think the more kind of outwardly, um, not buffoonish exactly, but the more outwardly kind of uh, shell-like you are, the more that you hide from people, the better a politician you can be. Because in the end, I mean, look at all these politicians that are resigning all around the place, right? Talking about matters of principle. But then you read the letter, and it's nothing to do with principle. It's all about them. Totally. You know, they are total and utter narcissists, all of them. Yeah. Right, and the reason they're in the business is because they're narcissists. Yes, some of them may have started out wanting to do good, and some politicians do do good. You know, and I'm not one of those that blankets them all with, with you know, manure and says no, they're all ghastly. These are people who are in the the the, the business they are in for a reason. They're attracted to it for the same reason that you and I were attracted to being journalists, because being a journalist gives you the opportunity for me anyway. Yeah. To absolutely poke holes in all members of, of the, the ruling class and all parts of authority, people who need to be held to account. I mean, that was what attracted me to it. Well, and I happen to have that kind of personality yeah. that I like to stick two fingers up to well, people. So I, I and journalism that. makes me enables me to do to that. To do that, which is very gratifying. Yeah. And I think you, there is this conundrum about politicians, which is, as you say, by definition, they come with an ego. Yeah. And it's very hard, especially when they get into the limelight a little bit. You see them becoming a different animal. Sure. And the minute ambition really enters its game, mm. it, it, the fray, and you can see them smelling mm. the big the big game. And I'm sure know. it's very seductive for them because yeah. well, that's what they want. What Jeremy Hunt's done, yeah. really, I think, you know, people say, you know, he, he, he performed very well in the hustings and yeah. all of this business, and he did. But to me, he he moved the most, yeah. you know, during that process, yeah. which is why I think Boris, you know, prevails. What, you mean he moved in he a moved, bad way? Yeah, yeah, he moved towards Boris because it was like this contest of being who could be tough enough yeah. about on, on Brexit. And Boris was, you know, you couldn't be more macho no. about Brexit than Boris. No. So Jeremy Hunt upped his macho. Yeah. And that's what terrifies me in politics is when you get this kind of macho competitiveness right. about who can be the most sort of send the clearest, most extreme yeah. message yeah. to the, to the uh, voters. And I think after a while they forget who it is that they're sending the message to. Yeah. I mean, a lot's been made of the whole Kipper thing, right? Yeah. And I was listening to a debate about it over the weekend. And 
There were those on the left who were absolutely appalled by the fact that Boris Johnson would tell lies. You know, there were those who were kind of in the middle going, well, is it really a lie? Is it not just a politician kind of using uh, hyperbole? He didn't you know. know, though, did he? Well, he just, yeah, well, that, that's what worries well, me. Well, let's ask that question, yeah. because did he know or did he not know? Are you seriously well, telling me yeah. that Boris Johnson did not know what the actual policy was vis-a-vis yeah. the Isle of Man, vis-a-vis yeah. uh, frozen fish. I can understand him not knowing that bit. Yeah. But, I mean, he must have known that the Isle of Man is not, in fact, in the European Union. Because why would he do it? And this is where it starts to get interesting, right? Because he could have easily picked Scotland. Yeah. You know, they smoke kippers in, in uh, Arbroath. And they're known as the Arbroath Smokies. Yeah. I mean, that's where they come from. Yeah. I didn't even know they came from the Isle of Man, to be honest. But this is... All, why this, would well, he, Arbroath no, Smokies are different from kippers. No, I know that. They're, they're oh, you I didn't realise you were a smoked yeah. fish expert. Yeah, 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 I, yeah. Yeah, I, I've I been didn't to Arbroath, realize. it's fantastic. Arbroath yeah. is a great place, yeah. yeah. Uh, it always reminds me, whenever I hear that sound of, of those kind of places in Scotland, I nearly yeah. said weird places in Scotland. But I mean, I've <laughs> Don't been, say that. I've been to most of them, you know. But it always reminds me of that football, famous football result everybody always says. East, you know, East 5-4... Four, four five five. <laughs> you can't beat it. No. And in fact, I think last season there was. I think they played each other, yeah. and there was a very similar type Obviously. of score. <laughs> People were going, "It's fantastic!" You know, he's five Tabloid four headline. four far heaven. Five, yeah, it was brilliant. Anyway, no, but, but I mean. You're not going to seriously tell me that I Boris am. Johnson, with all of the people around him who are supposed to be advising him, yeah. did not say to him, "By the way, you do realise that the Isle of Man is not in the EU." Right. So here, so here's my take on it. I absolutely think he he didn't realise really? that. Really. But, well, and all of the people okay. around him didn't? I mean, well, I don't think he listens to the people around him. I think he has his, you know, there was that great Jeremy Vine column where he, he, he walks into a presentation and goes through this charade. Well, the random uh, dinner of, speech. Of pretending yeah, yeah. to make up yeah, this yeah, random okay. shark story, right? So I think he has got a fixed mindset about what he's going to come on and say. Mm. The National, do we know which editor it was, by the way? Which one? He said the national newspaper editor has handed me this kipper. Oh, well, so, that's probably not true either. Well, but I, this is where it gets plausible to me that yeah. just before he goes on stage, right. somebody, Chris Evans from The Telegraph or Tony Gallagher from The Sun, passes in this thing right. and says, by the way, mate, dude, this is great. Yeah. Right? May have got the story wrong themselves. No. And, and see, this Johnson is where I stands there. Hang on, let me just right, go Stands there and holds this kipper up right. and doesn't, I don't think he's lying. I just, it's worse than that. I think he just doesn't know or care what he's talking right. about. Well, two different and he's got there. loads of form for that. Two different things there, right? Not knowing and not caring, right? I disagree that he didn't know. I just don't buy that. Why and would I he was, do it, though, if he well, didn't Well, because know? it continues to fulfil what it is that the people that don't like him can say about him. And it's not really much of a criticism of the next Prime Minister that he didn't know the EU wasn't uh, uh, involved in fishing regulations about the Isle of Man. It makes him look like a guy who just gets picked on all the time by people who don't like him. Really? And I think that's the cleverness of it. I think he ridicules people mm. by making himself look stupid. If you look at what people said about his growing up and the fact that he surrounded himself at school with this kind of image of this rather bumbling, sort of buffoonish like the character. Class clown. Yeah, Typical like the class, class clown, clown in order to stop himself from being bullied, you know, making himself out to be something he really wasn't because he's not particularly high born I mean you know he's got some very good friends in high places but he's not particularly of that kind of you know the set of people that that came that came like from Lord Spencer yeah. that created Princess Diana how did and he all end up that. in the Bullingdon Club then well because he got into Eton right yeah. and then having got into Eton he goes to Oxford he's from Eton so he's already made friends with all the people in the Bullingdon Club yeah. and no doubt proved himself but it doesn't match your kind of outsider theory I'm not saying he's an outsider right. I'm saying that he's very good at manufacturing 
an image around himself. Right. That doesn't mean... No, I, I buy into What that, I'm saying yeah. is he's not part of the establishment yes. in the old time sense that he's from some, you know, ancestral clan. Yes. In the same way, uh, perhaps that, I don't know, I don't suppose Osborne and Cameron are either. Mm. Um, they're more kind of conventional, I mean, Osborne's yeah. family are, are manufacturers like Winston Churchill, of for wallpaper. Instance. Yeah. yeah, but they're not from those uh, that yeah. old yeah. school yeah. kind of aristocratic... The sort of people you used to read about the Daily Telegraph, you had no idea who any of them fucking were. Yeah. But they all owned the whole country. He's not one of them. No. You know, his dad was a sort of run-of-the-mill politician at yeah. one point or other, wasn't he? Right. I don't know, to be honest. I mean, his dad went to Brussels because he was working in the Europe, inside the European Union. I mean, yeah. he was not somebody that owned a big fuck-off castle no. somewhere in, in, you know, Hartsmere or somewhere. No. You know what I mean? Yeah. So I just, I just think, in the same way that... Um, uh, you know, he's learned how to deflect criticism by saying things like, I mean, I like the fact that people say it's all very well in journalism to be to light on detail, because we are, because our expertise in journalism is not to know every single fact, mm. but to know someone who does. Yes. And to be able to pick apart an argument if it's not very good. To be an instant expert. Yeah. And then, well, I'm yeah. an expert on experts, is what I yeah. say to people, yeah. you know. I can basically tell whether you're a bullshitter yeah. or you actually know what you're talking I'm, about. I'm, and that's pick, my job. Where would you put me in that category? I'd put you in the same category as me. Bullshitters. Bullshitters. Right. No, I'm not, and I didn't say that. No. <laughs> But, I mean, you're no more of an expert on the World Trade Organization than I am, right? No. And true. there are a lot of people out there pretending to be experts on the World Trade Organization true. who aren't either. You know, when you hear people talking about it yeah. and you see people tweeting about it on, you it's know... It's what they've just heard on the it's, BBC. Yeah, or, or exactly. And some bollocks that... So I think what Boris Johnson has worked out yeah. is that we live in this ridiculous, constant, 24-7 news cycle, right? Yeah. Whereby everything comes and goes very quickly. And he was also kind of preaching to the converted. He was basically speaking to another Hustings, even though it was on TV. You've got to be a bit of an anorak to be watching it, to be honest, right? Yeah. He's preaching to the converted. He knows he's won already. I think he was just having a laugh. This reminds me very much, and we'll lose like at least nine-tenths of the audience now, but this reminds me very much of the French modernist philosopher Jean Baudrillard's theory. Oh, really? About, I'm not familiar with that. About simulacrum. But I know somebody simulacrum. who is. Well, he, he, so his theory, and honest to God, I mean, it sounds bizarre, but it feels like it's coming truer and truer by the day, right. is that nothing is really real anymore. Right. You know, everything yeah. is a simulation of, yeah. of something that once was mm -hmm. authentic. So you don't have real politicians now. You've got no. politicians pretending to be politicians yeah. and saying what the voters who really aren't voters anymore. Well, Donald Trump's the president of the United States of America. Yeah. He's not a politician. Yeah. He never has been. Yeah. You know, he's a bullshitter. Yeah. And he has learned, and maybe it's the likes of people like Steve Bannon, who have created this kind of yeah. um, virtual reality politician where you basically say things. I mean, Donald Trump is able to go um, on national television and say, uh, you know, that that was disgraceful what happened at that rally where people were saying, send her back. Mm. You know, that wasn't right. Appalling, yeah. And when it was happening, he was just standing there kind of looking at it. Yeah. He didn't say stop. Well, he, in fact, it was, I thought it was worse than that. I thought he sort of did that kind of eyebrow thing. Well, that's he what he does. Like, yeah. more, please. Yeah, I was nothing. Well, of course. Yeah. And that's precisely what he does. Yeah. And then later he denies it, you know, in the same way that... Uh, old Derek, you know, is a stupid man. Nobody likes that guy. You know, he's an <laughs> asshole. And then, you know, when he resigns, I wish him well. Yes. You know, it yeah. is. It's like a fucking parallel universe yeah. that we're so living same, in. He did the same with Theresa May. Yeah. Like on the Wednesday, she was a magnificent yeah. prime minister negotiator. Right. On the on the Friday, she was a complete right. fuckwit who'd screwed yeah. up Brexit. And the thing that's changed as well for me here is that we, as a population, have suddenly started taking these bozos seriously. Yeah. You know, I mean, when I was growing up, we had people like Harold Wilson, we had Edward Heath, we had Jim Callaghan, you know, who was famously quoted in the mirror saying, crisis, what crisis? Although he never said it, did Although he? he never actually said yeah. that, no. Um, in the same way that um, 
you know, play it again, Sam, was never actually said in Casablanca. I can give you the proper quote. You played it for her, you can play it for me, now play it, Sam. Yeah, I could I could have done that as yeah. well. I might ask you some more of a Casablanca quotes <laughs> later on. But uh, I, you despise me, Rick. I would if I gave you any thought. Anyway, uh, we're not going to rehearse the whole of Casablanca. No, no. But, but here's the thing, you know, we have suddenly developed into this bizarre country I mean, I can't believe when you see the likes of Jolian, what's his face? You know that QC, More, who yeah. probably also writes for you. A very upstanding member of society. But I mean, the bloke is a complete plank, I and mean, when all he he's does, not. He's just well, he is. No, he's a, his... no, he's got a one-track mind, right? Yeah. So, I mean, if I was married to that guy, I'd say get off Twitter right now, mate, because yeah. you're spending your life there, and you're going to lose your marriage, and you lose your kids, and you lose everything else, unless you stop <laughs> being an obsessive. I do agree. That... He's obsessed, right? Yeah. Now, and he's not yeah. the only one. There's loads of them, yeah. and all they do is do these threads, right? Screen thousands of words yeah. it's like for Christ's sake mate and they're all just being passed around by the same yeah. people yeah. You know? yeah oh isn't this great we Excellent can stop Brexit this way blah 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 oh yeah. my god I mean literally yeah. you would drive yourself insane if you even read it honestly I, well I've told you I mean Twitter to me is now once once you come off it as it's I dead done, to me it is, it, is, it is dead to you and it, yeah. once you come off it it doesn't exist you realise that yeah it just that's interesting it's, it's a wholly parallel mm. universe yeah. that is populated by people who aren't quite themselves yeah you know? no they're really not and it's also the place where people who are obsessives can go and get sort of comfort and sucker yeah. and that's why it's dangerous but when did we become I mean we grew I grew up with with some very healthy kind of you know Saturday night comedians taking the piss out of politicians right now what we have is if you take the piss out of a politician that one side likes then you're a creep and yeah. you're a ghastly individual yeah. and, and the go, same goes for the other side you know, when did we stop becoming cynical and when did we suddenly become partisan? Mm. And I, this is one of my continuing refrains as to why we need politicians to make our lives any better. Mm. Because they don't, they're not doing it really, are they? They're not. Um, I saw a great quote the other day and it said, cats are happier than humans because they don't read newspapers. Right. And I think there's a lot of truth in that. You know, the whole media, the whole fact, worse of than Westminster. That, crap all over them, don't they, most they of the time? shit on newspapers. <laughs> Absolutely appropriate response, <laughs> apart from the New European, obviously. Of course. But um, I, I do think that it, it has become incredibly corrosive, mm. except to say there is probably, and it was, I did this thing with Rod Little, you had him on the show. I did, the it was very good, actually. Now, yeah, so Rod Little uh, has completely different views to me on yeah. a lot of things and is despised by a lot of people right. and, and told me, you know, just as you walk down the street and people say, are you my great? Yeah. And generally say, great show. Yeah. He'll, he'll get 50-50, he'll right. get love what you're saying or he'll get see you next Tuesday right right? and so he's very divisive Mm. uh, but I was able to sit across the table from him as I'm sitting across the table from you yeah but you're an unusual beast in this uh, particular fight though yes you are because you don't lose the plot you don't think I'm an idiot because I'm quite happy to leave the European Union whereas many people that you employ or that you have writing for your newspaper would say that well I don't know if that's true to be honest I think people feel the need to express themselves strongly mm. just to get noticed and this is my point yeah. is that to, you to, think that's what it is i think it's and i think it starts at twitter this is where what i said to rod was what really terrifies me about social media is that because because it's such an instant format and because it feels like it's not kind of you know set in stone or anything it's quite transient yeah, yeah. you get people uh, tweeting things that they then have to stand behind. Yeah. And you see home secretaries, for instance, tweeting things that six months later become white papers yeah. and are in danger of becoming law. So yeah. that's where policy is now starting in these instant short reactions. Yeah. And I just don't think, you know, if you look at the complexity of what we're dealing with, 
part of the problem to me is is this need to reduce everything to mm. a soundbite or a tweet right. or something you can stick on the side of a bus. Yeah, you know, it's like the but that's the nature of things, and it's always mm. been the nature of journalism for me to well, simplify to, to simplify. Um, and that's why I've always preferred, in a way, to work for tabloid newspapers than I have for broadsheets. Because broadsheets, while some of them are very good at what they do, they can sometimes get a little bit caught up in the whole vortex yeah. of, you know, trying to be cleverer than everybody else. Whereas with tabloids, we're trying to make it simpler for people, trying to get people to be able to understand basically what is being said and what is going on. That's very true. And I think that's a very special skill that very few journalists have actually got. Yeah. And I think you and I have had to have it. So I'm not, you know, patting us on the back for, for anything. Yeah. But I mean, the reason that we worked where we worked was because that was what we wanted to do. That's right. And I think the problem now is that everybody wants to be an expert. And you can't be an expert on everything. You can't suddenly know everything. You can't, I mean, I'm having rows with people all the time on Twitter, as you know. The latest lot was after the Extinction Rebellion business at the weekend because a very eagle-eyed um, Twitter follower of mine spotted the, um, the boat that had been in Bristol uh, tagged onto the back of a trailer. Oh, being, really? being dragged into a petrol station by a very old Land Rover Freela Freelander, <laughs> right? Which they checked the, the registration of, and yeah. it turned out it's done 179,000 miles. Bellowing diesel, bellowing fumes out. It was a petrol yeah. one, even oh, worse, petrol, right? right? So yeah. it's bellowing out all these yeah. fumes, yeah. right? Pulling an illegal load, it would appear, right? <laughs> All of this, and now listen. I don't really well, hang care. On a minute. They're anarchists, as if they're going to be worried about illegal loads on the well, back of their. Well, they say they're anarchists, but they're obviously going home to Mubby for the weekend, you know. But the point is this: you know, these maniacs are all going. Yes, but when the the, the human race is going to it's going to die out in twenty five years, you're going. It's not. No, it isn't. Mm. That's not true. Mm. And then when you say to them, you know, have you actually seen any? Well, expert hang on a second. Evidence? Do they actually say that? Oh yeah. Well, oh, that, they do. That there's going to be no human yeah. race in twenty five years. Oh yeah, they do. Years. And when you say. Actually, I don't think that's true. They right. say, well, species are dying out every day. Don't you know that? Because yeah. somebody's told them that. Yeah. And then, but I go, yeah, but they've just discovered new species. Uh, and here's a whole load. They discovered 38 new species last year. And do you know what they say to that? They say, yeah, but they haven't really been, re re you know, haven't been new species. We've just not known about them. Yeah. But so, <laughs> you know, but you get, true, yeah, but you get into this ludicrous fucking but argument. That's what, I mean, the point is that, that, that is some, that's a symptom of what happens an awful lot now where yes. people combine two seemingly related right. facts right. which actually have nothing to do with each no. other and, they and which make you this, can't compare they make these plausible cases yeah. and you go oh yeah one well, of the sure. arguments yeah. that I was given was actually because uh, there's a bloke who's done, done stuff on this I can't remember his name he's a double barrel guy who writes to the Guardian quite a bit but he's done stuff about you know the carbon footprint of everything right and basically the argument now is is that if you've got an old car it's better to keep an old car because actually the amount of emissions that will be made producing a new car for you will be less, yeah. uh, sorry, will be more, much more than you continuing to you drive uh, an old car that up to 200,000 miles, even right. though it's the most polluting car in the fucking world, right? That's right. So which I said, well, that's not very good for all you people who want clean air and to stop people dying of pollution, which people are claiming people do every single day of the week, yeah. you know? And so they keep just finding reasons, and I think the internet is to blame for this, that you can look up almost anything and find something that will prove that it's right. Yeah. And particularly if you're not a very scientific individual. Yeah. Right? No, I think, I'm sure that's true. And, you know, the plastic bag thing, there's a guy called James Ball who does a lot of work, yes. investigations for us yeah. um, on various issues. And he, you know, he, I think he found something like you'd have to use one of these bags for life 200 times. Yeah before it, it, it repaid its yes. value in terms of right. the, the excessive cost of making yeah. it. So 
We do loads of things that we think yeah. are going to save the of world. Course. Like we, you know, turn the heating down two degrees mm. or we, you know, don't use the aircon in the car, right. whatever it may be. Yeah, yeah. But the, or we don't use bloody plastic yeah. straws, right? So yeah. that, that's the next big yeah, one. So you get a straw that disappears. And everybody the, sits there. You're, you're in your McDonald's yeah. place drinking your Pepsi or Coke or whatever it yeah. is through a, a paper straw yeah. and you think, that's good, I'm saving the world. Until it and starts it, to disintegrate. <laughs> It's absolute bollocks. Of course, it's bollocks. The, the difference you're making is absolutely marginal, yeah. but it keeps everybody nice and pacified. You well, know? it doesn't keep me pacified. Mm. I can tell you that. And I'll tell you, here's one thing, like, which pacified. I've never seen. You may have seen it. Yeah. And but you know these Nespresso. I'm going to sound a bit mad now, but you know those Nespresso coffee capsules. Yes. Why are they? Have you got not, one of those machines? No, I've binned it off because I was have getting you? increasingly appalled by right. all these single-use plastics. Okay, ten of these little things a day. Yeah. So why? It's a lot of coffee. Well, yeah, you know, hyper. I mean, uh, <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, are these I'm, up I'm, on I'm the, on the, the edge. I'm hanging on by my fingernails. <laughs> But, you know, all this single-use plastic yeah. from these things, why is no one banging on about that? That's the next thing, well, I think. Well, this is the thing. There are so many things that they could be banging on about. Yeah. I mean, I picked up a plastic bag out of my drawer because I tend to reuse plastic bags, you might be surprised to know. You know, yeah. if I've got some fruit that I bring back from the supermarket or something, I don't always put it in a plastic bag. But I picked it up because I was about to use it to take something else in to work. And it's a compostable plastic bag. Yeah. And it says, do not recycle because you actually can put it in the compost and it will disintegrate. Yeah. So why is it all plastic like that? Well, it can be now. It's just yeah. that it's more expensive. Right. By the way, when you know, well, when I, I got it at Waitrose. When I was a kid, they used to call plastic bags Scouse briefcases. <laughs> <laughs> so, so Scousers know about reusing. Listen, plastic I've bags. also had conversations with the manufacturers of plastic bags who say that making plastic bags is actually less damaging to the environment than making paper bags. Yeah. Because not only are, is paper quite a, a divisive and horrible. Um, process right in yeah, terms of the environment. It is very energy intensive. First, you're cutting down a load of trees, which is not good. Yeah. Second, you're then treating them with chemicals. You've got all sorts of you know machinery to cut them and make them into paper. And then transporting paper bags is worse than transporting plastic bags right. because you can't squeeze them into such a small space. Right. So you need bigger trucks, more trucks. You know, so right. you can make an argument about anything. Well, since this is called the Thought Police, I'm yeah. going to say something really kind of controversial. Thoughtful. What is wrong with landfill? Well. There's not enough of it, I think. Is what is wrong with and putting plastic toxic. bags? Is it? But why well, can't you have a plastic bag mountain? Somewhere? Have you ever been to Staten Island? That would be my question. Staten Island, I have been. Yeah. What in the states? Yeah, in the yeah. states, in New York. Yeah. Have you ever driven across Staten Island? No. One of the things I used to do regularly was because to avoid the craziness of getting out of Manhattan through the Lincoln Tunnel or the Holland Tunnel and going down the New uh, the New Jersey Turnpike is you can cut through Staten Island, right? Go over the Verrazano Narrows Bridge and you can land in New Jersey a lot further south. Yeah. So it used to be a trick that I used all the time if I was covering stuff down there. Yeah. Um, and there's a part of Staten Island which is simply landfill. Right. Right. And all you see are these huge, what we used to call bings. I don't know if that's a word you're familiar with. Beans. Bings. B-I-N-G-S. Beans. No, no. A bing used to be in this country... Um, one of the sort of the, 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 the sort of the coal scrap mountains outside of coal right, mines. They used right. to chuck all the stuff that they right. couldn't use, yeah. and eventually like grass, a slag heap kind like of a slag heap, but eventually yeah. grass would grow on it. But yeah. it was called a bing. I don't know if right. that's a Scottish word. Anyway, it was like that. Except these were mountains of land of, of just rubbish, garbage. Right, and it had that horrible garbage, sweet rubbish smell mm. that you smell out the back of a of, of a bin lorry, right? Yeah. And there was just seagulls flying everywhere, and there were poor. And I used to think, God, that must be the worst job in the world. There were guys working there with bulldozers just driving it backwards and forwards yeah. and pushing stuff and it was awful right. and if you'd lived anywhere near there trust me right. in the summer you would have just had this smell of garbage everywhere right. so I presume that's what's wrong well, with it but so, so my real point was like if, pla if plastic bags are 
better for the environment actually than paper bags, right? right? Let's say that's a fact, although we don't know it is, right. but you've seen evidence. Well, I've I've had people tell me that, and they and and if if also the other fact is that these big heavy plastic bags, you know, you'd need two hundred two hundred yeah. single use ones to justify yeah. one of that. Why are we doing all this? Why don't we just use the single use yeah. ones and then stick it, make a mountain of them? Yeah. They don't smell. No. You know, you could have a plastic bag mount. I'm, so, I'm sounding a bit like Mike Parry now, but you could have a plastic bag. <laughs> Not that bad. No, you could have a plastic bag mountain. Yeah. You could. <laughs> yeah, but all the other thing that I see, and you always see these tiny little bits of stories on, on things like Bloomberg, and you think, blimey, that's a good idea. And I saw one the other week about somebody who's developed an enzyme that eats plastic. Right. Now, to me, that's worth putting money into. Yeah. Like, it would eat, it would eat it if it's in the sea or if it's on the land. You know, it's the way of, like, cleaning up the sea. Because let's face it, even if we stop putting all this crap into the sea, the sea is still going to be full of the plastic that's already there because that's never going to go anywhere. That's right. It's did never going to disappear. Uh, did you see those algae curtains that people are using in cities? No. So they're like big sheets. Well, you big... can use that for fuel as well, algae. Yes, that's you? right. So they're big, these things are massive, wide, translucent sheets of plastic, right, right with kind of reservoirs within the plastic okay and they fill the reservoirs with algae right this green algae right and they must be porous because they hang these things in the sunlight on the oh. side of buildings and right. there's a few buildings in brussels for instance have got them oh. are plastered in them and the algae does what photosynthesis does it takes the uh, carbon dioxide and turns it into oxygen right. so it's very good for the environment it's providing clean air into okay. very congested dirty spaces yeah. and you do think that this, these are the kind of things that, you know, cities are going to be yeah. needed to be re-engineered right. in a way, aren't they? I Somebody think. showed a picture the other day that I saw of some new building somewhere, I think it's in Norway, but it's like a skyscraper made of wood. Right. right? Now fabulous. I'm looking at it going, no, not fabulous. Why? It's a fucking ridiculous idea. What happens, goes up, what happens if it goes film. up in flames? Great film. <laughs> Towering wooden <laughs> inferno. I mean, you know. Have you gone nuts? What do they call yeah, it? Jenga. <laughs> Jenga. The Jenga like building. You pull a little bit out, you know, and it doesn't fall down. But that's bollocks, isn't it? It's madness. Well, presumably well, you know, they've thought of you know, Well, not necessarily. You yeah. know what they're like in Norway. You can't see the wood for the trees. The, point is, boom, boom. Um, the point is is that we have come this far from being cavemen, right? Yeah. Some of these idiots want us to basically sort of go evolutionary backwards yeah. and find ourselves without driving around in, in motor cars, you know, not going anywhere. This yeah. woman I was arguing with actually said at one point, what we want to do is to make flying completely impossible except for in an emergency. Well, what if you've got family in America? Where, where are you, how what, are you supposed to get no there? No flying. No. Right. Private jets banned, right? right? All of this. Where do you think the food's just coming from? Just video conference stuff. Well, well, what about, you can't yeah. video conference your dinner. No. You know, where are you going to get you know, <laughs> get your food from if you're just not flying in? It's just bonkers yeah. to me. Yeah. You know. Well, Elon Musk is uh, building tunnels, isn't he, under Los Angeles? Well, he says he is. And but Well, I thought he was. The company's well, called The Boring Company, Yeah, no, I know. Yeah, boring well, these huge holes. Yeah, I think he's been on the funny cigarettes again because I'm not sure that that's ever going to work. Well, I... Well, it's, Do you it, really it, want to hurl yourself through a tunnel well, underground he say something like, where there's an earthquake risk uh, at 200 well, yeah. miles an hour? I hadn't thought of the earthquake thing. Well, I think he should have thought of it. Well, it's more than 200, because you can get to LA to San Francisco, which is what, 400 miles? It's a long something way. Something like that. Yeah. He said, I think they say they can do that in 45 minutes or something like that. So you're literally 500 miles an hour. Yeah, but can you imagine what would go wrong? I mean, that's just like, also madness, you know. Yeah. And also, who knows what the effect on the body is of you being shot basically through a cannon? This is what they said. Being shot through a cannon. They said when they invented cars. No, they said the human brain would would fall to jelly. Speaking of cars, by the way, have you seen that story about Volvo recalling all their cars? What? Volvo recalling all their cars, and one of yours is in there. I've got a Volvo. What do you mean? I only have. 
Well, you I'll show you the story. They've, they've got a fire risk of, fire, of bursting into flames, apparently. Can I get my money back? <laughs> just about to buy well, another one. Well, I don't think you can, but you're going to have to take it in and get it looked at. You're joking. Yeah. I'll show you. I'll show Volvo, you the, the safest car company on the planet. Apparently now owned by the Chinese. Which yes, I didn't it is. Know. But do you yeah. know they've got this ambition next year, 2020, to have a whole 12 months without anybody being killed or seriously injured in a Volvo? Oh, really? Which I, globally, right? right. Which I think is, uh, you know, an amazing ambition. That's because old Volvo drivers are so boring. They make them so kind of lethal no, to other cars. That's well, no, because you have to always be careful. You see a Volvo that's driver. That's true. And I've, and I've had a Volvo yeah. in my life, right? I had a, um, well, it was my first decent car that I got yeah. that I could actually feel proud of driving yeah. when I joined the Mirror. Because I, I finally conned them into giving me a company car because in my contract, they wouldn't give me a company car. And so I just, we had a pool car. I got a pool car allocated to Wales, to the Welsh Mirror, right. and just basically never got out of it. And after <laughs> about six months, the managing editor came to me, Pat Pilton, I think it was. In those yes, days. Pat. And he said, uh, Mike, he said, we're going to have a problem here. I said, what do you mean? He said, well, you know, you're not supposed to use the pool car as your own car. I said, yeah, but I need a pool car because I'm always going to Wales. He said, yeah, but the tax people will say it's the same as you having a company car. I said, well, why don't you just give me a fucking company car then? <laughs> and eventually they just had to give in because they couldn't get me out of this other car. Oh, God. Um, and then finally, and, but they ended up giving me some sort of Ford Mondeo, which I'll tell you another story about if we've got time. Yeah. Um, I was sitting at the office one day and I had this, um, it was an aubergine. Um, was it a Mondeo? Yeah, I think it was a Mondeo. Yeah. Um, anyway, I got a call, phone rings, and we were sort of in the corner around the back of that mad guy that used to do TV listings. Yes. What was his name? Um, Can't remember. The guy with the bad hair. Yeah. Uh, who used to sit in the corner office. Uh, anyway, yeah, um, um, so the phone goes, and I'm like, oh, hello, can I speak to Mike Graham, please? Yes. This is the West Midlands Police. And I went, all oh, right. I thought it was somebody with a tip for a story, you know. Yeah. And they said, um, uh, can you account for your whereabouts on such and such a date? And I had a quick, I said, yeah, I think I was probably in London. I said, I, I certainly, um, what do you mean? They said, well, there was a, uh, an incident we are investigating in um, somewhere like Tamworth, you know. And I said, well, I've never been to Tam- Tamworth in my life, you know. And they said, we're, we're basically checking up on everyone that's uh, that's got an aubergine um, full Mondeo. <laughs> and funnily enough, there's not that many of them. And I went, oh, right. Okay. Yeah. I said, well, I've got one. They said, yeah, that's why we're ringing you. And I said, what's the incident? They said, it's a child abduction. Oh, my God. And I went, Jesus Christ. Because you know what the problem was? The only thing I had that proved where I was was a receipt, Right. And it was a receipt from Davies Wine Bar. For sweets. In Canary Wharf. Not for sweets. <laughs> but it was handwritten, right? Because in those days, yes, it has to be said, sometimes you didn't always get a computerised receipt. No, quite. And sometimes the receipt didn't always match up the amount of money, perhaps, that had been spent. Exactly. You right. know where I'm going yeah, with this. I do. So basically, I had a fake receipt proving where I was. And I thought, this could all go horribly wrong. It could be like the beginning of a, of a sort of, you know, Kafkaesque nightmare. Oh and I get dragged in for some child abduction I never did. Oh, my God. There Eventually. used to be a, you know, on, on the subject of dodgy receipts, mm. the, the best place in London for that was Joe Allen's. Yeah. Was a, which was a sort of jazz. Well, Davies was pretty good too. Uh, well, Joe Allen's was the, a restaurant in the middle of London, in mm. Covent Garden. And it's still there, but they've it's moved still there, the moved. Yeah. But they used to have these receipts that you would uh, they always wrote them in pencil yeah. and all, always in hand so yeah. you could rub them out you know and, and put in your own figure for your exes and I remember once getting um, I hope she doesn't mind me saying this but Nina Mishkov <laughs> putting in her expenses right. and, and Joe Allen's receipts everybody knew them and everybody had two or three of them tucked in their right. desk you know for two or three hundred yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, but Nina Mishkov sent in this uh, this Joe Allen's receipt right right. you know dinner with somebody somebody 120 quid right. and it had like green, green printed hatching across the top right I'd never seen one like this 
And I went, oh my God, Joe Allens have changed the design of their receipts. That's not good. Everybody's receipts that they've got stashed are now redundant. So I went up to Richard Wallace, who I think was heading news at the time, mm. later became editor, and showed this thing and said, Richard, we're all in trouble. Joe Allens has changed the receipts. And he started laughing. He said, they're the ones they last started using six years ago. <laughs> <laughs> Oh my god, yeah, that's so. not good. It's a good time to end though, because otherwise we won't get ourselves into more trouble. I think this is the start of a beautiful friendship. I think it is. This is the Thought Police. We'll see you later. Piers has been through all these travails yeah. through the course of his career and seems blithely unaffected yeah. by it. I'm sure he's not. I'm sure he's not. So I once said, mm. I hope this isn't going too intrusively, but I once well, said to, too late now. to the first Mrs. Piers, mm. um, during one of his troubles, I think it was over the City Slickers thing, yeah, yeah. I, and I said to her rather blithely, well, Piers seems to be coping all right. Yeah. And she said, yeah, but you know, you're not there in the middle of the night when he's tearing his hair out you right. know, and, he's, and he's panicking, yeah. you know. So I'm sure it gets everybody, but that ability to, yeah. to just say, okay, it is what it is, I'm yeah. going to plough on, I, right. I'd kill for it. You could have easily picked Scotland. Yeah. You know, they smoke kippers in, in uh, Arbroath. They're known as the Arbroath Smokies. Yeah. I mean, that's where they come from. Yeah. I didn't even know they came from the Isle of Man, to be honest. But this is... All, Why this, would well, he, Arbroath no, Smokies are different from kippers. No, I know that. They're, they're oh, it, I, I didn't think, realise you were a smoked yeah. fish expert. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, yeah, yeah. I, I've I been didn't to Arbroath. Realize. It's fantastic. Arbroath is a great place, yeah. yeah. Uh, it always reminds me, whenever I hear that sound of, of those kind of places in Scotland, I nearly said weird places in Scotland. But we, I've <laughs> Don't been, say that. I've been to most of them, you know. <laughs> but it always reminds me of that football, famous football result everybody always says. East, you know, East 5-4... Four, four, five, five. <laughs> you can't beat it. I saw a great quote the other day and it said, cats are happier than humans because they don't read newspapers. Right. And I think there's a lot of truth in that. You know, the whole media, the whole fact, worse of than Westminster. That, crap all over it's them, they, most of the time. It's shit on <laughs> Absolutely appropriate response. <laughs> Apart from the new European, obviously. Of course. I can basically tell whether you're a bullshitter yeah. or you actually know what you're talking about. And, and, and that's pick, my job. Where would you put me in that category? I'd put you in the same category as me. Bullshitters. Bullshitters. Right. No, I'm not, and I didn't say that. No. <laughs>